Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to another edition of Around the Coin. My name is Faisal Khan and I'm your host. You've heard the terms like financial inclusion, upward mobility, banking the unbanked. These are serious issues. Over 2.5 billion people around the world do not have access to the banking system and are outside this circle. The very bottom of the pyramid who are banked do so reluctantly access to credit, credit history, identity, small loans, uber-efficient payment systems, etc. are some of the challenges being faced by them. I recently got the opportunity to sit down with Dixon Noforso, who is the CEO of Cora Network, and Mama Hu, who is the COO. These two visionary co-founders are poised to change the world in banking, payments, credit, identity for those who are at the bottom end of the pyramid. Will they? Well, let's find out. For purposes of full disclosure, I am an advisor to the Cora Network and Slash Foundation. A few announcements. If you're going to be attending the Money 2020 Asia in Singapore, which is happening on the 13th to the 15th of March for the very first time, do come and say hello. I'll be there. The International Money Transfer Conferences, or IMTC, has some announcement. IMTC Sao Paulo is happening in Brazil from 21st to 23rd of March. The Remtech Awards are being held in Kuala Lumpur from May 8th to 10th, and all the I- and the IMTC EMEA, which is the Europe, Middle East, and Africa, which is being held in Brussels this year, will be on the 16th to the 18th of May. And I'll be at the IMTC EMEA, so if you're attending, come and say hello. And lastly, if you happen to be in Mexico City, the the fintech payments and banking technologies for the Mexican financial sector conference is happening from the 16th to the 17th of May, as hosted by the U.S. Department of Commerce. As always, you know, we are in debt to our sponsors. This podcast is made possible by the support from Terminos. Terminos is the top-tier core banking software provider to 41 of the top 50 financial institutions. Terminos has been guiding financial institutions towards their digital future for more than 20 years. You can learn more about them from Terminos.com. That's T-E-M-E-N-O-S.com. Also, a shout-out to Stellar. Move money across borders quickly, reliably, and for a fraction of a penny. Stellar is a platform that connects bank, payment systems, and people. Integrate to move money quickly, reliably, at almost no cost. For more information, visit Stellar.org. For legal disclosure regarding this podcast, please review the message at the end of the show. Hey, Mama, thank you for taking the time out. How are you? I'm great, Basil. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So... Financial inclusion, you know, uplifting the people at the bottom of the pyramid, uh, banking the unbanked, solving the identity problem, credit, and amongst other things. What is the Cora Network all about? Explain it to explain it to me like I'm meeting you for the very first time and you're selling the idea to me. What what is Cora? Yeah, I mean, all those things you just mentioned are all financial services. You know, there are ways to take you know to move capital around the system. In a way that produces more value once you know and that allocates it more more efficiently and so all core is doing is everything you mentioned around around money transfer around lending around credit scoring around identity we are helping people get uh low cost and equal access to these services with or without internet and you know it, that's obviously the people that um will, will benefit a great deal are those who as you mentioned are 
our lower income or unbanked or bottom pyramid, but it's really everyone that could use this equal access to financial services and equal access to the opportunities that it brings. I mean, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is doing this thing. The World Bank is doing this to CGAP. There are hundreds of other NGOs and other financial payment networks that are coming and doing this thing. No one seems to have cracked it, not at least to the to the level where it is a major blip. Very small progress is being made, extremely, even less progress is being made on them talking to each other. So what makes you different? Because you yourself have to, um, how do you say it, prove yourself on this thing, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, it's, it's a very big problem. Um, we're really trying to solve the infrastructure piece around providing um, a technology platform that gives people data privacy, that, that gives uh, regulators auditability, that gives functionality for money transfer or for lending or for credit scoring. That's really the piece that we're focusing on. Um, and I mean, I've obviously, I've, I've confidence in our approach, but that's, I think that's a good point, Faisal, that we have, to, we have to see the results. You know? So we, we're doing a beta in Nigeria right now. We're starting another one in Peru pretty soon. Um, both around uh, exports, both around money transfer and identity. And we have another one coming up in Bangladesh with a co-op. Um, you know, by end of year, we should be able to have 100,000 users at least. And um, I'm sure we'll learn a lot in that process and refine our system. So I think it's a good point. I think that there's a lot to learn and a lot to, uh, to fix, but you know, we have to get started somewhere. So in the general ecosystem, what problem are you solving? What specific problem are you solving? So the specific problem we're solving is, well, is is access to financial services. You know, um, the the areas we operate in generally either they don't have any options or the options they have are pretty bad. Um, and I think the specific problems we're solving really very vary by region. So, um, for example, in Peru, so what we're doing there is we're working with a, a high end coffee exporter and. We're helping automate their payroll, so you know payments get sent out directly to the farmers' mobile money accounts as soon as the the buyers' payments come in. We're giving transparency into this process to both sides. Um, we're facilitating the actual payment. Um, we're providing identity to the, the last mile to the farmers. So you know those are a few specific problems that are relevant to that use case. But I think ultimately what we're doing is we're building a toolkit that is being can be used for a variety of use cases. Um, we're building a network where all entities can be connected with each other, and we really have to understand the local conditions and figure out what specific problems we need to solve there, um, and just you know deploy individually. Do networks like Ripple or Stellar and the other networks like for identity like Bloom or Everex, uh, do they become competitors? Do they become partners? How does it work? Yeah, so I think they're all partners because. You know, we, I mean, for our cross-border piece, we're actually, we're doing what we call a multi-rail architecture, which works across Ripple and across Stellar. Um, you know, I mean, and they're, well, I think, like you mentioned, it's a very big problem. There's a lot of people working on it. Um, the piece we're working on, the infrastructure piece, is, you know, I feel like it's, it seems to be quite differentiated. It doesn't seem to be many other people that are, that are in this space. Um, someone like Bloom, what they're doing is really credit scoring, right? That's I think that's a very important piece where they could use data data that's sourced from our network and run their own credit scoring algorithms on it. Um, or you could look at someone like Moeda that's doing lending, or you could take lending capital that's on that's on Moeda, uh, parse it through Bloom to figure out you know credit risk, and then use data from Cora and then potentially make the payment on Cora through a through a rail like Stellar, you know. So it's really about creating this ecosystem. As inclusive and that um, is interoperable. I think. I think all the people you mentioned are partners. But it almost sounds what you're saying is very, for lack of a better word, utopian. You know, you do this and you parse it into that and you take the output from that. Uh, how long will it really take you to put this thing together? Where Where are you right now as far as progress is concerned? You You, you talked about your, your the beta that you'll be doing and you'll have hopefully a hundred thousand users. When When do people get to see this? So, I mean, people can go on our GitHub. They can go on Apple, the Apple at the App Store or Google Play and download our app. 
Um, we're also doing a beta What's the right called? now. It's Quora. Quora. It's Quora Payments, I think. Yeah, Quora. If you search for Quora and then Payments, I think they think you should find it. Okay. So and progress. Where where are we? Where are we right now? What's in the plan for the next three months, six months, end of the year? Yeah. So right now, you know, I mean, we're going to be building this platform out for the next two or three years at least. But for now, we're starting. You know, we've already started in Nigeria. Um, that's helping some maize and poultry farmers get paid. Um, next up is Peru. That's a pretty interesting project with because uh, that's cross border. Um, that's an interesting industry. That's uh, that's one where ticket sizes are actually quite large, where each individual payment to the farmers can be in excess of a million dollars. So yeah, I mean, just doing these three pilots and understanding, uh, combining the lessons we've learned there, fleshing out the and maturing our product, I think, um, is plenty just just for that time frame. So tell a little bit about your company, how it's structured, where your offices are, how many people you have, who's doing what. So let's see. So we're domiciled in Hong Kong. We have staff across nine cities, including um, Nigeria, including New York, Houston, Chicago, London, Auckland, uh, Ukraine. Um, so we're pretty spread out. So that's about 20 people, I think. Um, what else? So what where else are you structure? Where are you expanding out to now? You, Niger, you have an office in Nigeria? Yeah, we have an office in Nigeria. We have an office in Lagos. Um, we, uh, we're, we're actually... So I'm going to Beijing in a few days. I'm going to meet with some Chinese PhDs. So we might... We're looking to start a research group out of China. You know, it's quite difficult to get really good computer science researchers. And I think that's a, a unique market that we have access to. Um, we're, we're actually sp- starting an engineering team out of Lagos, recruiting some of the best developers out of Nigeria um, and consolidating them under, you know, under Quora. So that's going to give us a lot of like really strong development, fi- development firepower. So from an architectural point of view, you have the crew. What about the compliance part? Uh, how do you handle the regulatory issues, the licensing issues? Are you licensed? Are you going to be licensed? Are you going to buy a license, apply for one? How does that work out? Yeah, that's a great question, Faisal. So, you know, in Nigeria, that's probably one of the most difficult pieces of what we were working on. Was So we work with a license operator um, for, for agency banking uh, called MTN, uh, sorry, called VTN, not the telecom. Um, we, so they're licensed uh, under the CBN for agency banking, as well as under the NCC for telecom. We're using their USSD. Um, so we don't really have an interest in being licensed in, in this region. We are really just a technology platform. We are infrastructure and you know we are looking to to get partners to plug in and uh, produce more value. Yeah, but you know recently uh, the U.S. Uh, FinCEN, uh, which is the federal regulator, came out with an opinion that if you are you you know issuing any token sale whatsoever, you need to be a money transmitter. It is not going to be long before the Europeans, the Canadians, and some other developed economies follow suit. So you will be issuing your Quora tokens or what have you. I, I believe you call it KTNs um, and uh, the Quora token network. And then you are, once you become an issuer, you would need to be a money transmitter. How would you then look at licensing? Yeah. So, I mean, the FinCEN, that was hardly a ruling. That was a footnote inside the document they submitted. Um, so we'll see or how that pans out. You know, regulation has been ambiguous in this area for quite some time. Um, our system, you know, our end users don't touch core to core network token. We don't, you know, we're not a cryptocurrency company where we don't assume that just because there's going to be some kind of cryptocurrency, all these problems can be solved. So, you know, ultimately, and ultimately we are, we, are, we do plan on being compliant with, um, with local regulation by finding regulated partners there. So... I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what FinCEN does. Um, you know, obviously, the U.S. Is, is a very important market. Um, we are not averse to being licensed in the United States, uh, although we are aware it's going to take some time. But, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, there's been a lot of ambiguity in regulation for a long time, but 
um, business has to go ahead. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. What about? I mean, so you've talked about the core network. You've talked about you know uplifting people. You've talked about banking the unbanked. Give me an, a, a simple example of how it would operate within Nigeria. How would it would operate? You talked about farmers, uh, but but what are they doing currently? And once your core network comes in, how different would it be? Walk us through the example. Are you on Dixon? Do you wanna do you wanna jump on any of these? It's technically years on this guy. Yeah, Faisal. Um, so, so what we'll be doing in Nigeria is um, enabling farmers that live in remote areas, um, to be precise, um, they live about two and a half hour, hours away from um, Abuja. And we'll be enabling them receive their payments um, instantly. So currently, how it happens is that there's an aggregator in that region that's um, works with the farmers and um, the farmers cultivate the products, sell them to the aggregator and then they have the greater the aggregator in the main city um, called Abuja and it takes a while for them to send the payments across. Most of the time the way it happens is someone from the farmers community travels into the city, gets the cash and then returns the cash back to the farmers. Um, cash is the major language that they speak in the region. Um, so with Cora, we will be working with a licensed uh, IMTO. Um, the licensed partner, VTN, actually has um, various licenses for money transfer under the CBN. And they will be writing our, our, um, the Cora network infrastructure, which also plugs into a USSD interface. Um, the USSD interface enables the farmers to sign up on to the Cora network. Um, using the VTN's platform. And also we are signing up the aggregator farmers also on the Cora network. So what will the result of this be? The result would be after Cora network is able to tie all three parties on the Cora network on the blockchain, the users will be able to receive instant um, transfers from the aggregator um, to their mobile phones on the Cora network and they'll be able to cash out at various agents' points within the community. The agents are those who have accumulated excess cash and might also want to go to the bank, but probably the bank is a bit far from where they are. They could circulate that cash back into the system for digital um, digital cash or digital Naira, um, which they eventually get to pay out into the bank accounts um, using the Cora platform as well. So that's basically the problem with solving payments um, in the remote region. It draws huge parallels to what, for example, how trade might be done in Kenya using the M-Pesa network. I mean, you could be ubiquitous to the farmer, but is that not the case over here? Or am I misreading something? Yeah. So, like we said, we, we are an infrastructure company. Um, uh, probably, uh, we, we, um, M-Pesa mm-hmm. is one model that we have studied closely. Right. And and what we're trying to do is um, create and pass on the blockchain here. And we don't need to be the interface that the pharmacies, maybe they don't even need to know Cora. But the whole point of this is that eventually we would be able to use this blockchain to create interoperability of licensed operators within these markets and markets abroad. So that's basically what we're trying to achieve. And this is the first step. This is the lowest hanging fruit, enabling uh, people through our infrastructure to receive instant payments um, digitally and then connecting them to other various providers. Um, one of the other things we're looking at is mobile phone top-ups, bill payments, but having this happen all on the current network. But it's a lot of uh, boots on the ground, isn't it, Dixon? I mean, you have to go and win customers one at a time, win their trust, get them on the app, get that traction going, and especially get the aggregators because they are the ones who would really drive the business. Yeah, it looks like it's a lot of boots on the ground, but for a situation or for a scenario where this doesn't exist, it's not really so much boots on the ground. Why do I say that? Our partner VTN already has close to 15,000 agents, agents are maybe even more agents around the region, right? 
this is what they've been doing. They, they have a mobile money license and they're also um, trying to, they've been actually trying to bank the unbanked, you know, but due to some interoperable reasons or even the scale and the technology to scale further, they've not been able to do that. Secondly, for the aggregators, this is a major issue to them because they haven't seen another option. The market doesn't even look profitable for one who is a technology provider to serve. So what what I would say in that particular um, in that for that particular question you asked is that most of these people don't even have something off the top now. And yes, it might look like Cora would need to make a lot of business development there, but actually that's not the case. Um, most of our partners are already bees that have C's, meaning they already have their customers. Probably the customers just don't have access to financial services. And we're just boarding aggregators step by step. We already have partners who have agency networks. When using the current network, we'll be able to plug uh, seamlessly various partners all on one platform. I mean, I applaud your optimism, but you know, evidence shows that getting the unbanked bank or getting them financially included into the payment system has been a huge hurdle. And no one really knows what the right formula is. How do you view this? How, how does Cora think that they are the differentiator, that they have the formula right? Because a lot of people have gone into the, uh, the problem land known as Africa with its 58 countries and said, you know, that this is a classical case where if we can get these people banked, we will make a huge impact. And yet, uh, you know, the truth is there's millions of people who are unbanked, and for some reason, the traction is not coming the way it was predicted. Yeah, um, for me, for just to be very realistic here, right? Um, I, I've I've probably failed in, in two of my other startups, so I don't want to be so optimistic and saying we'll just go in the market and bang, we'll get six hundred million of them at once. Um, I think we have the formula, but our formula, if we claim our formula works at this instant, then it makes no sense. So we have to test our formula. But I love to compare our formula to the M-Pesa formula. You know, M-Pesa is probably one of the only um, products we've seen that have successfully included tens of millions of people into the global financial system without even having a bank account. And we can say M-Pesa's success is based on, a conver- uh, based on a convergence of government regulations, technology um, advancement, as well as telco involvement. So it's like a three, you know, like a triple threat coming together. So for, for us right here, um, trying to deploy this, we, we have a, a solid technology and we have um, good partnerships with the um, telcos. Um, and eventually we believe that the last source that will help drive financial inclusion across these regions is, is government regulations, the government supporting or the government trying to breed about this convergence. Um, that's the ultimate formula that we've seen that has worked for in person. But for what we're trying to do in Nigeria or Peru, um, we, we believe our technology is solid. We believe our approach of the inside out methodologies is also solid. And that's why we're trying to work with regulators um, and like like my co-founder said, Mao Mao, we are not on the Bitcoin or the blockchain maximalist side. We are not like, hey, it's all about blockchain is going to change your life. Bit, uh, cryptocurrency is going to change your life. We, the users don't even see cryptocurrencies. And we really want to embrace regulation uh, because we think if regulators get to see the value and the power of the blockchain for basically identity and interoperability of providers, it's going to be a very valuable piece. So um, I think it's it's a thing we would have to probably come back on your podcast after six months to give an update of where we are and how far our formula is working. But for now, we, th- we think it's going to work, and that's why we're testing it out in, in these various markets. Very cool. Uh, let me ask you about the value and payments on the network. in Within the Cora network, what is the value transfer? Is it the Cora token, or do you have something like... I hate using the example, but like a USD tethered or something, or an e-fiat coin, <laughs> which, is ba- which is backed by the same amount. Yeah. Um, so we we don't, first of all, on our white paper, if anyone reads it, you'll see that we stated there that we want to provide financial services in the terms that the people understand. 
When we say in the terms that people understand, it means that if no one has been exposed to using Bitcoin or Ethereum to transact on their daily lives, why do we then want to expose them to such a volatile asset? So on the Quora network, um, the Quora network token is simply a cryptographic token which is being used to secure the network. It's being used as an incentive mechanism to enable actors within the network to keep to, you know, being truthful and um, bad or malicious attackers get to lose their own current network token for for bad acts. Um, So the medium of value transfer on the network is just exactly like Mamao said. We are considering various other payment rails like Stellar. Um, Let's say the bank boards the platform um, we can definitely walk through Ripple. Um, let's say we have one of our strong partners that have provided amazing liquidity in the Southeast Asian market, uh, Bitcoin Gold, because you're Bitcoin Gold. But the user never ever sees that. All the user sees while interacting is probably eFiat, right? eFiat is literally, is, is, it's very common to the same, it's very relative to the digital IOUs that a user sees um, when opening their banking app to see a thousand USD Actually, it's just a thousand IOU, which doesn't even exist maybe at the time in the bank and has been probably borrowed to some one of the investors that the bank owns. Yeah, but on the core network, you definitely see an EFIAT, which is definitely backed one to one, meaning that when a licensed operator issues this, then probably most likely we have that in the bank, definitely, or it's been kept in secure store value. Um, so that's why we want to provide these services across board on the terms people understand. We we really don't have much to do with cryptocurrencies. We are just a blockchain startup, you know, doing our Yeah, I agree, because I think one of the the right things I'm hearing is that you are not going to alter the last mile, which is extremely important. Trying to educate or re-educate the last mile is a humongous task and uh, i think those who have gone that way have failed and will continue to fail but it seems uh there are many goldilocks conditions if you will you know everything has to be just right for the other one to take care and you know for, for the other one to for the other event to kick in and if all the goldilocks conditions are met i think you see success uh what do you feel about the ever-changing regulatory landscape because that has been put a damper on many projects. Do you see regulation as friend or foe? Um, I, I, I think we every every blockchain startup has um, a serious stake on this. From our perspective, we think regulation is a huge, huge um, beat to our success. Right um, at Cora, we don't want to do anything um, against. Uh, the regulators. For instance, uh, two days ago, the Central Bank of Nigeria released uh, a paper saying um, we are not regulating cryptocurrencies in the country and we don't want to have, like, we, we only warn everyone who is getting involved to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple to be careful. If you lose your funds out of that, you can't report to the CBN. You know, such a position. Um, tends to have an effect on our business, whether we like it or not, even though we are not transacting in, um, or we're not enabling Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the rest of the, to, to the yeah, people. But you, you are most likely guilty by association, right? Exactly, exactly. And re- literally, like, there's, there's a totally, in, in the faces or in the ears of the common man, there's no difference between Bitcoin and blockchain. It's all the same thing. So I think a regulation is never a foe to Cora. It is definitely an upside. Um, and that's why um, um, we are working with top consultants across the world to ensure that our compliance is top-notch. We're working with legal firms like Morrison & Foster to ensure that we are um, well under the, the frameworks of, let's say, the SEC or any regulator there is like the FinCEN, like you said, um, we're definitely trying our best to ensure that every person that we deal with at Cora is highly regulated. And you, you asked the question previously about how we want to go about licensing. So I would say that we are not 
adverse to the option or we are not close to the option of even becoming a licensed money transfer operator if that is one of the if that is one of the necessary um, um, factors that we need to make this project successful we will go that far but it is not in our scope at the moment to have to go about acquiring licenses um, um, we have lived by a code which um, you yourself, Faisal, has probably invented, which is called the Uberization of money transfers. And Uber probably has literally no stock or inventory of cars. So we hope that we would be able to connect licensed operators um, without us being able to have those licenses because it's going to take like 50 years to get all of them. But if it requires us getting it in a particular region to be regulatory compliant, then we will have to consider that strongly. Let me ask you a question, which is, you know, most companies go uh, this route, they go raise money, which is like what you're doing, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But eventually they find out that the road towards salvation with respect to small farmers, small, the unbanked, is a road paved with problems and hurdles. And they usually abandonment is high, abandonment, abandonment factor is high, and they end up being a B2B rails company eventually. What makes you so passionate about solving this problem? Because it is going to be a very difficult journey. And let's be honest, if the journey gets difficult, would you abandon it? And, you know, seek shelter for maybe the the B2B market, which is much more stable than rather than going to the end farmer and so forth? Okay, that's a really amazing question, Faisal. And I think many people mistake what we do at Cora. Because once they see that we're doing a beta with farmers, they assume we are the last mile product. They assume we are the last mile service that's going to bank the unbanked. But I would love to clarify this via your podcast right now to everyone across the world. Cora is a payment infrastructure company. We sit right at the first, at the very first layer to enable license providers do their transactions. We have a focus across unbanked and emerging economies, and that's why we are releasing software toolkits that could enable financial service providers serve their clients who are even unbanked. One of the ways we are trying to do this is by enabling USSD, SMS, and um, various other toolkits on the Cora network such that if you are an MTO, IMTO, MMO, you can plug in and receive a turnkey solution to serve even the underserved customers. Are we serving the underserved customers as Cora? No. We are not that last mile service because we sit on the infrastructure. One of the ways we want to drive financial inclusion is by making sure in everything we build in our infrastructure, we consider the unbanked and the underserved. And one of the ways we want to drive this, as you can see from our website, is that we have a social impact fund. 5% of our raise is going to be donated or contributed into raising startups that will be building financial service products for the underserved. Now, going back to what Cora would be in five years or what our main game is, Cora aims to be this cross-border network that will enable micropayments instantly, borderlessly. Right. We would definitely go for B2B markets. We hope to go for C2C markets as an infrastructure company. But what we are saying is that there has not been any blockchain startup, to our knowledge, that has built a set of toolkits that could enable an M-Pesa on the blockchain. And that's why we're building that. So for a question like that, people might see us and want to contribute to us thinking that we are going to be that foot soldier that's going to go to Congo and Malawi and Tanzania and go get every single person who is on that into the network. No, we, might, we will not be the foot soldiers. But what we are guaranteeing you that we would be as Cora Network is that we would build an infrastructure that will support any foot soldier that wants to go in to provide the service. So... We think those infrastructure does not exist right now. We believe that we can provide it, and that's why we're building it. Nevertheless, like Pfizer said, are we going to go for B2B markets? We think there's a huge friction across B2B payments. Like um, in my last startup, one of the greatest issues that I had was being able to remit funds back to China to, my import, to the people who invested in me. 
one of the major issues we have across Africa and West African regions now is that even SMEs can even receive cross-border transactions on the items that they sell on their platforms, right? If I'm a shoemaker or I'm a clothes retailer in, in Congo, there's no API that can enable me to receive my Congo currency via USD right now. It literally does not exist. That is a huge, huge problem that has been associated with the low decreasing GDPs across this region because there is no interoperability of these markets. Literally, Africa is not talking. So well, it's we not are just also Africa. On the quest- I mean, it's, it's the world, right? 1,900 payment systems, less than 3% are connected. And this is 2018. Exactly. So, so we, 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 we are on this mission to, um, to enable, basically the way we call our vision is shrinking the world into a small global payments village, shrinking the whole world into a small, you know, payments village. And literally we want to give the whole world a payments infrastructure that they can put in their pockets, right? So that's our vision at Cora. And we think that if we can prove to the world that VTN and Triver Greek and any stakeholder use the Cora network to serve their own banks, coffee producers and uh, licensed operators use the Cora network to serve and give a fair share of the rewards or the fair share of the amount or yields to the coffee producers in Peru. And in Bangladesh, the co-ops who never had access to digital toolkits use Cora network to do payouts then literally every merchant across the world can use Cora for whatever they want to do. So we've gone for the hardest situations and the lowest hanging fruits. Farmers have been the most underserved in the pyramid of, literally, pyramid of economic stratification. They are the least served, they are the least rewarded, they are the least compensated. We think if we can serve these people, then literally we can serve whoever works a white-collar job. We can serve whoever works in any office. We can serve whoever is literate, whoever does online payments, I want to do anything. So this is exactly what we want to achieve with Cora. If you want to do, or if you love Cora, you want to contribute Cora because you think we are going to go straight into the market and match those boots, I'm really sorry. Like We think we would have sat on that level, but there's a lot of companies sitting on that level. We want to be that infrastructure that can enable them to do everything they want to do, financial services. I hope that's really clear to, to the, yeah, yeah, to the is, community. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, it almost sounds like you're making a parallel, I don't know, for, for lack of a better word, a parallel earth port or a parallel, you know, global payment network where you are deploying the new rails. It, it's almost like, you know, I don't know if you know about this gentleman. His name is Alfred Escher. And he was responsible. He's better known uh, to the world as the founder of Credit Suisse. But, as a Swiss, he prides himself on connecting Switzerland via the railway network to Austria, Germany, uh, uh, Germany, and you know Italy and, and and France and so forth. And his, it, but you know the antiquated rail network has a certain speed, has a certain uh, limitations, but the new rail network that was put in uh, allows faster payments to go through allows more exactly. nimble nimble transactions to go to and and the transaction types changes right so that means the vehicles riding on the payment rails changes it's not just you know one size fit all doesn't work anymore yeah exactly 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 and on that note Faisal by the way you know earthford i think obviously it solves an important problem but with cora you don't need just to send currency you can send cryptocurrency you can send vouchers you can send through agreements you can send through digital attestations, you know, because we're generalized infrastructure and interoperable. I think to your point about different vehicles on rails, um, we can send like smaller amounts, we can send them at faster speeds. I think that, you know, if anything, what we're building is almost the next generation of something like Earthport and something that blockchains really enable. Mm. Yeah, and, and, I mean... And, uh, well, well, but one question I have to ask you, Mao Mao, is how uh, do... But your partners or people who want to work with the Cora Network and the Cora Foundation, do they get access to an API that you will be publishing eventually? How does that work? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. So, by the way, we have several partners signed up. You know, so I don't know if you heard of Shuri Mint. They serve, I think, two million users uh, currently. 
they have a, a merchant network of like 15,000 merchants and they send vouchers around and they will be building on the core network. Um, so, so from the, the real, at the bottom level of the infrastructure, the core network is a decentralized blockchain network. And the core of that is the core node. And the core node, I mean, if you look at the documentation for, for any of these other blockchains, there it's are like pages and pages, node, right? pages. Uh, well, master nodes are a concept that are really unique to Dash style cryptocurrencies. It's not quite the same thing. But so all nodes on our network are equal. Um, with the, with, I mean, but going to that point, um, with differing amounts of KNT, there are some differences in, in how you participate in the network. So in that case, they are, there are similarities to master nodes. And, um, and these, these nodes, they have, they have uh, command line options, they have RPC servers, they have various kinds of, you know, microservice architectures that people can plug into. They are really the backbone of the core network. Okay, so let, very quickly, so you guys are now traveling the world, visiting, doing a roadshow, uh, convincing family offices, private investors, private equity, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to participate in your token sale. Uh, well, how much are you raising, and when does it start, and how do people find out about it? So we're raising $24 million total. We're about 70% to our uh, $4 million pre-sale. Um, our, our main sale starts at the end of March, on March 26th. You can find out more at core.network, which is our website. It's K-O-R-A dot network. Um, or feel free to join us on Telegram. We're quite active there. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's, I think we're quite blessed with Telegram because it allows us to, uh, to um, actively engage with our community. Uh, you can sign up to a whitelist on our website. Um, and you can always just reach out to us directly at, uh, at info.cora.network. And one question, sorry, uh, Dixon, the pre-sale, when does it end? So the pre-sale ends on March uh, 26th, and then the main sale starts immediately after. But what we'd like to um, tell everyone in our community, which is part of what everyone see, has seen recently, you know, everyone is doing an ICO. Everyone wants everyone to contribute it to their ICO. So we always try to put this, you know, this word out saying, if you do not understand what we're building at Cora, please do not contribute. You know, just don't. Um, if you want to do it for speculative reasons, we can't stop you, but we advise you not to. Um, you can literally just go to the website, read up our white paper, see what we're about, read up our vision paper, read up our token cell economics, um, which is going to be coming out uh, literally in the coming week. Um, follow us on our Telegram. Ask us a lot of questions. We really appreciate those who ask us really good questions and give us constructive criticisms about our projects so we can improve. And we're not just out there to beg you to contribute to our project. Uh, this is not the case. We believe we are building something pretty valuable. We just ask that you understand, you read properly what we are doing before you even give us a dime. Um, and if you're not conversant and you don't want to give us a dime, we are very cool with that. So it's good to draw that line, especially when we have a lot of noise in the space. Yeah, that's very good. In, in fact, it's very gentleman of you to say so. But let me ask you, 24 million is the hard cap? Yes, 24 million is the hard cap. We did 1 million in one day on 17th of March, December. We opened on a private sale sold out in the same day. Um, we opened up a $3 million pre-sale, which, um, which started two days ago, 5th of March, and we're 70% down out of that. Um, we're pretty sure it's going to be sold out before the week runs out early next week. The main sale kicks off on, on the 26th of March for the 20 million, and it runs till. Uh, 18th of April. So a couple of, uh, I guess, blunt questions. The price of Ethereum, everything else keeps following. How do you value the $24 million mark? At the day of the sale or at the day of the booking? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's why we didn't price our tokens to Ethereum or Bitcoin price, right? We price our token to the USD value. So currently our token at the... Um, um, token generation event price is um, 10 cents. Um, if you get in, let's say today, then you get a 35% discount. Um, uh, if you got in last month, you probably would have gotten a 40%, 45% discount. 
So it runs down like that, but it's related or it's relative to the USD value. Mm-hmm. And what if the uh, uh, the day of the sale, you know, when it opens for public, you you generate your twenty four million, let's say within the day. I hope so. Um, does that not make you want to remove the hard cap and raise more? Because how long will this? So the first question is, how long will this twenty four million last? Is there going to be a round in the future? And if there is, and if you see a higher demand. Does it make sense to remove the hard cap? Yeah, so um, what I would say is you probably will be the 1,001st person <laughs> to ask us this question uh, because we've, we literally moved our token sale because of the high demand. We are, have an oversubscribed whitelist. But that does not change the fact of what we need the funds for, right? The demand does not change the fact of what we want to accomplish. So we don't care about the demand. We don't care about how much more people want us to increase the cap, but we care about what we have said we want to use these funds for, which is business development, development of the core network architecture, uh, social impact investment, um, recruiting and staffing. So we, we would not increase the cap from 24 million, even if the interest is much. And we are looking probably after we hit um, some amazing numbers, let's say um, $1 billion transaction volume or that going through the network or $2 billion transaction volume, and then we will do the next round. Um, we have a lot of strategic plans in the future, which we believe $24 million can even help us achieve. But we believe, again, you know, $24 million is um, is enough to to give us the kind of um, runway we want. Um, like like uh, maybe you might not have known, I'm a, quite a thrifty person. Mau is also more thrifty. And we think the 24 million will give us a um, couple of years of runway. Um, we're looking at somewhere three to four years, five years runway wow. to successfully what we want to do. But what happens if somewhere down the road you decide to, because any payment company that I hear the word, I always ask two questions. What if you decide to go for something like the U.S. expensive licensing? How would you cater for that? Or at some point in time, you decide you want to be a bank or buy a bank? That's that's an amazing question. So um, right now, the U.S. Um, U.S. is a huge, you know, cross-border market, meaning remittance. The sending side of the remittance market is mostly from the U.S., U.K., Canada, right? So definitely, if we're creating a cross-border payment network, we would have interest in the U.S. market. Nevertheless, we believe we can work with U.S. licensed operators without a license. And we're not going to be the first doing that. We think a lot of people have been able to broker amazing partnership with licensed operators. I'm definitely sure yourself, um, Faisal, who is a super consultant in payments, understand how lots of these companies are able to do this. So for the U.S. market, I don't think we'll be able to afford a license right away. We think we'll have to work with potential uh, licensed partners to drive this traffic um, across our network. Now, for other regions, let's say in a country like uh, Nigeria, it costs somewhere around uh, four to five, um, somewhere around six million uh, USD for to to get those licenses. Um, it might cost less in other African countries. But, sorry, uh, it might cost less to get this in other African countries. Um, so we, 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 we would be looking into that, but we think we can excellently prove that our network works without um, any license and eventually with good traction. Also, Faisal, you know, it's, it's not like this is the only capital that will ever come in. We, we'd fully intend on being a profitable company. You know, it's so, it's not like we're only raising 24 million once and now will have to last us for the rest of our lifetime. This is merely for us to get the network up and running to prove that it can work, to get enough volume through for us to become sustainable and profitable, and then we can grow from those profits. Mm-hmm. Is there a desire to own a bank at some point in time? Mm, I think many people have that desire. Asking. <laughs> that's a that, that question is very 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 strategic maybe we if we answer that now one bank will ensure that they frustrate our lives but yeah but yeah it's it's a welcoming idea um crypto businesses have not had proper banking literally for the last 
as long as I remember. Um, as we can see, many of them are being debanked. Many of them are getting their accounts frozen. So we really want to see like blockchain companies have proper access to banking. Um, do we want to own a bank? Uh, we can't answer that right now. We're too too early and too focused on our products trying to you know, create this cross-border payment network. Um, do we want someone to offer us banking services? Hell yeah. We need someone to offer us proper banking services. Um, so we, it, I think it's a more strategic question down the line, which we are not ready to answer at the moment. That's okay. But also to build on that, Faisal, I think that to your earlier point, financial services is changing. And I think that we're really trying to build an infrastructure that supports next generation financial services companies. So, and maybe they won't look like a bank, but they provide similar services around savings or deposits or investment opportunities or insurance or whatever the case may be. And um, so I think... I think um, there's the opportunity to to start to disintermediate some of the functions that you see centralized into large banking entities and to split them out bit by bit and to provide those services in a standalone fashion. Gentlemen, I wish you nothing but the best for your fundraise. And as promised, we will get you back in six months and do a health check. Uh, Dixon, the CEO and founder of Cora, along with Mao Mao, who's the chief operating officer, wherever in the world you may be. Thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate it. And best of luck, gentlemen. Thank you, Faisal. Thank you, Faisal. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the hosts, co-hosts, and guests appearing on the show and do not necessarily reflect the view of the owners and producers of the show. Paid advertisements in form of audio announcements may appear throughout the show, including this one. Advertising can also include print and other digital formats. The owners and producers of Around the Coin do not endorse or evaluate the advertised product, service, or company, nor any of the claims made by the advertisement. All programs are subject to a one-time charge for professional editing fees, for which the interviewing guest or guests may have contributed towards. The owners, producers, hosts, co-hosts, and guests on the show are not financial advisors. Any investment advice or opinion cited during the show is for information purposes only. None of the content is intended to be investment advice. Seek a duly licensed professional for investment advice. If you believe there's been any violation of your copyright, trademark, service mark, or any other type of intellectual property, please inform us in writing by sending an email to legal at aroundthecoin.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.